0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of What Happened for the week of December 9th, 2018. I'm your host, Howard Callahan, and this week we have most of our stories in tech. One uh, one story in movies and a couple stories in gamings. But it seems to be the usual case now, we're going to start off in tech. Apple is expanding in Austin, Texas with a billion dollar campus. Apple announced this week that they are expanding in Austin, Texas with a one billion dollar campus. Currently, Apple has 6,200 employees in Austin and when the campus is complete, it will be able to hold 15,000 employees. Along with the new campus, Apple also announced that it will be increasing hiring in other cities as well. While there are not exact numbers yet, they aim to have San Diego, Seattle, and Culver City grow to have 1,000 employees, Well, nothing was said specific about New York and Colorado, except that they will be growing operations there. Overall, I like this from Apple by expanding and hiring more American employees and how they handle this better than Amazon for its second headquarters. My only question is if Apple will help invest in the city as well, maybe put some money toward the transportation that will get worse with all the employees they will hire. Or at the very least, pay their fair share of taxes, something Amazon does not have to do with their deal with New York. On to our other story about Apple. Apple is planning an update to iPhones in China to get around the Qualcomm ban. So in Apple and Qualcomm's legal paddle around the world, it got interesting in China this week. This week, a Chinese court ruled that Apple was infringing on two of Qualcomm's patents, and in response, the court ruled that some of Apple's iPhones were banned from this being sold, including the iPhone 6S, 6S Plus, 7, 7 Plus, 8, 8 Plus, and 10. After this was announced, Apple said that iOS 12 actually fixed the issue, and would also be releasing an update to phones next week to solve it completely. If the court is satisfied by this, then the ban should be released and the phones can be sold again. However, Qualcomm is not just sitting down and seeing what happens, they are now also asking for an injunction banning the sale of the latest iPhones, including the 10s, 10s Max, and 10R. This wouldn't make sense though, because if iOS 12 fixed the issue, then they have no case. But I assume they know something we don't. For now, we wait for the update from Apple, for the iPhones in China, and an update from the courts. Opera is getting into cryptocurrency with a wallet web browsers opera is getting into cryptocurrency with a crypto wallet built into its android app the wallet right now only supports the crypto ethereum with support for other cryptocurrency coming at a later point so i don't know what the point of this is like opera is more or less just a web browser so maybe they want to try and branch out and do other things i mean their browser is not that popular so it wouldn't be a bad idea however cryptocurrency overall has have had a massive dip over the past month so they might have missed the out on the boat I did want to throw the story in, though, because I'd like to see updates on cryptocurrency as a whole, especially since it's had a massive decline. From the beginning of 2018, it was going, you know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars 20000 Now it's around, at least for Bitcoin anyways, like five, 6000 maybe $3,000. i am curious to see where it goes. Amazon launches a smaller version of Amazon Go. Continuing with their plan to have thousands of Amazon Go's around the country over the next few years, Amazon has opened up a mini Amazon Go in Seattle. This mini Amazon Go is a lot like a pop-up site you would see in a mall with its own walls and ceiling and sell snacks, drinks, and some pre-made meals. If you want to visit this one, it is in downtown Seattle on 300 Pine Street. Along with this, Reuters is reporting that Amazon has had talks with LAX and San Jose International Airport to try and bring these mini Amazon Go's to terminals. It seems like Amazon's plan is going along fine as they are slowly rolling out the big Amazon Go's in cities across America, while also trying out these other types like this one that are easier to roll out. I'm still looking forward to trying one of these out soon, eventually. Deliveroo opens up a store in Hong Kong. Technology seems to be running around in a circle. First, Amazon becomes a huge seller of books, forcing bookstores like Borders and Mom and Pop Shops to go out of business, only for Amazon to now have some actual bookstores themselves. Now, while food delivery apps have boomed, it has not come back around as a delivery app in Hong Kong called Deliveroo has opened their own store. Now, since they themselves are not a proper restaurant, this store offers food from different restaurants. When you go in, you order from a menu of foods from five different restaurants or order for delivery. This is apparently part of Deliveroo's expansion of working with and helping restaurants. They offer another program called Additions, and they are kitchens Deliveroo bills that restaurants can share and use. Deliveroo has also said that if this location is a success, they might expand this as well. Now, overall, I like both of these ideas and what Deliveroo is doing. With this system, small restaurants can expand their customer base and their own business. By using these kitchens and offer the food for sale at these stores without the cost of actually opening up a new location. If you're a small b- restaurant owner, that's a lot. That's a big expense and a big risk hoping a second restaurant pays off. Now you don't need to do that. I will say, I do not know what else Deliveroo is getting out of this besides, I would assume, a cut of the profits. If that's it, then it, this is great for everyone. Huawei CFO is released on bail. In a follow-up to last week, we got some updates on a case in Canada with Huawei CFO Meng Zhao, who was released on bail under the condition that she stay in British Columbia. Stay under house arrest at a house worth $5.6 million, and have a supervisor watching her with 24 7 security. With her bail hearing, we also got some details on why they detained her. This case is built on her being on the board of a Hong Kong company called Skycom between 2009 and 2014. And during this time, US banks did work with Huawei, processing the transactions and all that. Now, Skycom did business in Iran, which is well within our right. But prosecutors are making the point that Skycom was a part of Huawei at the time, and that Meng. And the company lied that it was not. If it was, in fact, a part of the company and the banks were not made aware of it, then they might have unknowingly helped move money in and out of Iran. If this is true, then Meng is committing fraud as she lied to the banks about the connection between the two entities. Because remember, while she and Huawei can do business with Iran, the Iran sanctions mean American companies, which would mean American banks, cannot do business. That would mean, partly, moving money in and out for Iranian business people. So if this is all true, Meng is committing fraud as she lied to the banks about the connection between the two entities. So next, the case will continue on on February 6th, where the United States will have to make the case themselves as to why they asked Canada to detain her and deport her back to America. So this case is only getting more interesting. and I'm curious where it's going to go. I'm glad the charges got cleared up because last week I was really confused on how she could be bound by U.S. sanctions. Now, I would assume the U.S. does have some actual evidence for this. To ask Canada to make a move on her because it looks like China is retaliating by arresting two Canadians this week under the idea of quote security threats. Then there is also the issue of how does this affect the trade talks between China and America. I guess we'll have to wait and see in February. Sundar Pichai testifies as before the House Committee. This week Google CEO Sundar Pichai finally went to DC to testify in front of the House Judiciary Committee and it went about as well as you could expect. Instead of asking some hard-hitting questions about the Google Plus data breach and about privacy, a lot of the questions were about anti-conservative bias and a question or two about Google possibly going back to the Chinese market. On the flip side, Democrats on the committee also took their time to rebut the Republicans saying that the bias does not exist. At one point a congressman held up his iPhone to make a point. And Pachai had to correct them, saying that they do not make the iPhone. Pachai also had to explain how when you search for the word idiot, a picture of Trump comes up as a result. Now, this wasn't like the Zuckerberg hearing where it was two days and both House and the Senate had to return. This was just a committee from the House, so after a couple of hours, it was over. Overall, it was a waste of time for everyone. The congressman that tried to get something out of Pachai about biases did not. Pachai was also not put to the grill and answer some meaningful questions that people in tech and general, you know, overall citizens that use Google products day to day have a right to have an answer for. And overall, for people like me watching, I got no new answers. Facebook updates Portal to support browser and instant games. Facebook's first hardware device in years, their Portal devices are getting an update. We don't talk about the Facebook phone they made years ago. The Portal devices at the start were just meant for video calling your friends and family through Facebook. However, when you compare this to other smart devices like Google Home and Amazon Echo, it is a bit lackluster. So to make it more viable as a device, Facebook will be updating Portal and will be getting a browser that will allow access for their Facebook account and have full access to YouTube. They'll also be adding support for their instant games, which right now will include games like Words with Friends. This is smart for Facebook to add some of these features because, quite frankly, they need to. Like look, I want to like Facebook and I want to be excited about their hardware, I think it's interesting. But with lackluster devices and numerous privacy issues just this year alone, it makes me hard to care about Portal. Like. Cool, Facebook hardware, that sounds awesome. Just for video calling, I don't care now. So adding a full-fledged browser, adding some games, it's making it more interesting. And it does fix one of the issues I have with Facebook, the lack of features. However, the other issue, about privacy? Yeah, I don't know how they're going to fix that enough for me to trust buying one of these and putting it in my house. Going over to movies, Disney announces a new original Pixar film, Onward. Disney this week announced a new original Pixar film called Onward. The film is about two teenage elf brothers who leave the suburbs to see if there's any magic left. The cast is pretty stacked here with Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, and Octavia Spencer to name a few. If it doesn't face any delays, it will also be coming out relatively soon on March 6, 2020. So looking at Pixar's schedule, they just had Incredibles 2 this year. 2019, they have Toy Story 4. And in 2020, they're going back to original movies with Onward. While I need to see a bit more about this movie before I have more opinion on it, I am looking forward to it. Original Pixar movies are usually good. And if it's got a good cast as well. This is definitely one to look forward to. I'm finishing up with games. Trainer Battles are now available in Pokemon Go. Just a small update on this, Nantech has released trainee battles on Pokemon Go. Now, they said last week it would be available for people level 40 and higher at first, but then roll out to people below that. However, there are reports that the rollout happened pretty quickly, with people as low as level 10 being able to play. They then came out and said that level 10 is the minimum level to need to participate in battles. Personally, I haven't tried it yet, but I saw I do have the ability to do so, so I'm looking forward to trying it out. Epic Games is offering cross-platform tools t- to developers for free. Epic Games took another shot of Valve this week and made waves by announcing that they will be offering their cross-platform tools to developers for free. Yep, the Bedrock that manages the cross-platform play of Fortnite will be available for free. For more exact details, these tools would allow developers to add cross-platform play between platforms and track a player's profile and purchases as well across platforms. Now, while this is great, it is kind of up to Microsoft and Sony to actually prove these games cross-platform. Remember, earlier this year, Sony was the lone holdout to cross-platform play on Fortnite. Now I mentioned that this was a shot at Valve, and it kind of is. Valve's Steam Store gives developers access to Steamworks, which allows developers to track in-game purchases and support matchmaking among other things. Epic's tools look like to be another alternative option for developers, especially if they decide to sell on the Epic Game Store and get a bigger cut of revenue. For now though, the tools are not out just yet, Epic Games said that they would be rolled out throughout 2019. I think this is a great move on Epic's part, and if Microsoft and Sony approve more cross-platform games, then overall this is great for gaming in general. Just think, 5-10 years ago, cross-platform seemed to be an impossible dream. There is no way these companies would allow it, but now it's different. Fortnite is the big one with Rocket League also working on it as well. It's a slow start, but it looks promising. The question, though, is which developers will take up Epic's offer and use those tools? My prediction is that a lot of smaller indie developers will use them, while bigger developers like Rockstar and Bioware won't. They probably prefer their own proprietary software. And last story we got is Discord is also opening up its game store with a new revenue split. We talked about this a few months ago, but Discord opened up a game store with a select amount of games, and is now making some changes. Sometime next year, they will be opening up to all developers for PC games with a new revenue split. For games sold on the Discord store, Discord will only take a 10% cut, with developers getting 90%. Discord CEO Jason Critten talked about this, saying how they do not need a 30% cut cut to run the store. Also, to combat Steam's new revenue split, this revenue split will be equal no matter how many copies developers sell. I think this is a great move on Discord, as giving developers more of a cut is always better, especially for smaller studios. With all of these developments the past few weeks, it seems like there is now an open war on Steam, and from the looks of it, if these stores can gain traction, Valve will feel the pain. Their new revenue split favors big studios making millions of dollars, while smaller indie studios have been left with the same split as before, unless they have a smash hit. Clearly, the changes were to try and woo big developers back such as Activision and Bethesda, and right now it does, does not look like it's going to work with the rumor that Bethesda's next game, Rage 2 will also be exclusive on Bethesda's launcher for PC, just like how Fallout 76 is. So it looks like 2019 will be the war of game stores and game launchers on PC and we'll see what happens. So that is it for this week's episode of What Happened. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TylerCalley95, and I haven't done it in a while, but If you want to catch up on any of my old articles, go to TylerGalhan.com, and thank you for listening.